and welcome to Man Enough. I'm Justin Baldoni. I'm Jamie Heath. And we're hanging out, and every episode we're talking about what it means or doesn't mean to be a man. Mm-hmm. About masculinity. I wrote a book called Man Enough. You can check it out if you want. Mm-hmm. Undefining my masculinity, the need to undefine masculinity yeah. to make space. To have enough. comfortable spaces to have amazing conversations with amazing people and having some uncomfortable conversations. Yeah. Having some um, wonderful and inspiring conversations, all of them. Yeah. And we have a very special guest on the show today. First of all, it's a very special day because it's your son's birthday. It is it's my it's son's Breakwell's birthday. fifth birthday. Breakwell is five today. And, uh, and, and it's it, also your wife's birthday. And in fact, when you that. say that, it is my son's birthday, but ultimately that means it's my wife's birthday. The day she gave birth. The day she gave birth, and she's the one who has had to enjoy and endure and experience all of it. And that's really what this episode's going to be about. My wife uh, shows us just how badass she is. Who's your wife? What's her name? Her name is Emily Baldoni. You've been married how long? I have been married seven and a half years. This year will be eight. And tell me, uh, what's the best thing about being married to Emily? Growth. She helps me and forces me to, and reflects me. Mm -hmm. Just tremendous growth. What's the hardest thing about being married to Emily? Growth. (laughs) Same thing. (laughs) Tremendous growth. Mm -hmm. It's, uh, they're both... Growth, man. Growth is hard. Growth is hard. And if you're listening to this, and there's a good chance you're going to feel uncomfortable at one point during this podcast Mm -hmm. or during one of these episodes. And uh, and that's what this is all about. We don't want to have a simple, easy discussion. There is no right way to do this. Uh, There are some wrong ways. That's right. There um, are definitely some wrong ways. But at the end of the day, this podcast and this show is about opening the door and having confrontations. It's an invitation for you, our listener, to go on a journey with us, to take the journey from your head to your heart, to maybe hear some stuff, some shit well, that, that that doesn't feel good, and to and to look at it, to not run away, to hopefully not turn it off or switch to a comedy podcast, well, and I'm to excited. just listen. I'm excited because we got Liz, who is so inspirational and says such amazing and profound things. She, man, she just dropped some truth. Yeah. So I'm I excited for, for us to go through it. All right, so with that, I will be right back with Emily Baldoni, Jamie Heath, and our co-host, Liz Plank. This is Man Man Enough. Hello, and welcome back to the Man Enough podcast. I am Justin Baldoni, here with... Jamie Heath. And the amazing... Liz Plank. And, uh... (laughs) <laughs> do that again Liz Plank yeah. <laughs> I don't it's kind of like Jason Derulo back in the day like Jason Derulo, Derulo. yeah that's how I intro <laughs> that's gonna be yeah. your thing now yeah Liz we should Plank. have a we should have a whole musical actually Jamie's intro. a real singer can you do that absolutely yeah, not please okay Liz Plank that's much better Ooh. you're doing it from now uh, on and we your have <laughs> a very special guest today <laughs> the love of my life mm. Mm. Emily Baldoni Emily Baldoni. By the way, Emily sounds like the old Disney movies, you like know? Like a Disney princess. When, like, the birds start flying. The animals everywhere. get attracted to yeah. <laughs> <laughs> everything. Um, Thank you for having should, me. Should I read your bio, my love? Ooh. Should I just talk? I mean, please. Emily, born Emily Fuchsler. 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 Say it. Say it how you say it. Fuchsler. Mm-hmm. 
F-U-X in English doesn't Nope. What do you think that would sound like if you saw Fuchsler? It sound like. Yeah. So my manager was like, you need to do something about that. But when I met you, you were Emily Foxler, or as we like to call you, Foxy. So we threw an O in there. <laughs> I like it. Yeah. Foxler. Uh, Emily has had an amazing career as an actress. We met because of uh, these award-winning horror movies that we did. They were fantastic. Um, fantastic. Mm-hmm. And she now runs this awesome company called AMA, which does what? It's a lifestyle company for mamas. For mamas. So our mission is to support mamas. And uh, she's an amazing mom also. Mm. And uh, and somehow puts up with me. So I want to just set a ground rule, my love. Yes. Uh, you don't have to. Don't make me look good. I'm I'm okay. Cool. You can tell the truth. I'm. This oh, is a place of learning. I'll help us do that, Jamie. No problem. Uh, and as we know from my book, I'm not claiming to have any answer or all the answers. And so this is not a place where I, you know, need to look great because, as we know. I'm far from perfect. So just so I just want to take that burden off of you. Not that the burden was there, <clears> but <throat> this is a podcast and it's your husband's podcast and I wrote a book and blah, blah, blah. And we can talk about whatever. Nothing's off limits. Same here. And uh, I love you. I love you too. And really, we invited you to come on today because in, in the book, I write about loved, being loved enough mm-hmm. and sexy enough. And you've been an integral part of that for me. And so uh, we have our two wonderful co-hosts here who Liz I'm sure Plank. have a lot of questions. Liz Plank. <laughs> Uh, okay, but starting off, starting off, my love, I'm gonna ask one question. Yeah. When was the last time you didn't feel enough? <laughs> I mean, this morning. Um, I feel I feel that often. My God, all the time, I feel like I'm not enough. That's one of my that's one of my my big things. I'm I'm really good at self doubt, which then means that I feel like I'm not enough. I have micro moments of that all the time. We're two peas in a pod. We're fantastic together. Mm, <laughs> after reading Justin's book, I mean, the the loved chapter was definitely my favorite chapter. Yeah, I think you said that was mm. your favorite. Yeah, and I was like, you know, like the more cowbell sketch with Will Ferrell. He's like, more cowbell. I was like, more Emily. Like Emily, aside from Justin, is my favorite character. And Jamie uh, in the book. No, now that I, no, no, Emily's your favorite character. Emily, it's, totally, it's, it's, it's fine. It's, it's, it's fine. <laughs> I guess one of my favorite things about you is is just how you seem really comfortable. And maybe you're not, but you seem very comfortable challenging Justin. Mm. Um, and and from like the very beginning, even before it seems like you were in a relationship. So in the book, you know, Justin talks about certain acts of chivalry that he would do, and these grand gestures, and you would be like, hey. I know that came from a good place, but that was about you. That wasn't about me. And I right. think I want to know more about that. I want to know what that's about for people who may not mm-hmm. have read the book yet. Yeah. Can you talk about when that happened, what happened and how you handled it? Yeah, it was <laughs> It was clear from the very beginning that we are two very, very different people. And I'm from Sweden, so just that alone makes us very different. Oh, I left that out of your bio. Um, You're from that's Uppsala, right. Sweden. It's just a Uppsala, tiny detail. Sweden. Where they invented Celsius. That's yes. right. That's right. And Swedes in general, mm, when, yeah. when we when we show love, it doesn't need to be big. Yeah. It doesn't need it doesn't need to be a big massive thing. And just coming to to the states as a, as a twenty year old, I just realized that everything here is just bigger. Yeah. So I think that that was a lot for us to navigate, being two very different people, and somehow finding a way of 
honoring the differences, though, because I could tell that in his big gestures, showing me how much he loved me, loves me, that that's okay. There's also beauty in him expressing love mm. in his way. But I think we were very young and we also had to learn how do you give love to somebody the way that they want to be loved. So what, what were some of those grand gestures? Can you just give us some, some examples of things that, or one specific example? You talk about one in the book. Yeah, I mean, the proposal is the, the, the big, big one. Um, but he was also big on love in general. Like he wanted to be close. He wanted to show people that we were at parties together and he, he was, he wanted to sh show the world mm. how, how much he loved me and he wanted to show me how much he loved me. And there were gifts left on my car, little notes or a little stuffed frog. Which goes back to like the one I write about in the book was the one. Oh, the poem, the, the poem. spoken oh, yeah. word. Oh Lord. Tell us about the poem. Tell Let's us about the spoken word poem. So let me tell you, so th this was the issue. It could have been really cute. Nothing wrong with what you did. But we were on two different pages when we were dating. So <laughs> I, was, I was over here. He was over here. I needed something over here. He needed uh, different things. Mm -hmm. And we were super awkward together. The polarity was off. I wasn't 100% sure. He was 1,000% sure that we were supposed to be together. We were trying to navigate these different energies that we were feeling. And I was very into him. I was attracted to him. But I was still struggling. He was so on. I felt like I couldn't breathe. I just needed space. And the more that I pushed away, the more, the harder he tried. Cause he was like, no, this is right. Um, and I was also giving, I mean, and we'll get into this. I was also not easy. I was giving him a lot of attitude. A lot of things that I did wasn't fair. Um, but there was that one night when he had written this beautiful spoken word piece in front of an audience of our friends and he got up in front of everyone oh. with so like nervous awkward and he did it anyway and it was it was incredibly sweet it was a beautiful piece you're really good at that stuff the issue was uh, like the 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 other girls uh women sorry in the audience they just swooned they were just like oh my god i so wish i could have a man who did that for me who created a, a spoken word piece and you know taught yeah. told everybody doing it in front of everybody and i was just dying inside because I was like dude you don't get me we need to True story. we need to figure some things okay. out before because the issue with that is in that moment it, I, I felt that he wasn't sensitive to where I was at yeah. so had he just mm -hmm. checked in with me he would have known that I wasn't quite there but now I wasn't quite there in front of all of these people. People that, so when the, and people he, that we love. When he was done, we close everyone turned around to me and they were like, yeah, yeah, right. you happy? How, right. how are you feeling? That was amazing. Right. And I'm not there. So now right. I have to perform, perform because I wasn't mature enough to just be like, well, to show up how I really feel. And I am right? clueless. And he mm. truly was clueless. I'm clueless. Mm. And he is expecting a certain reaction from me and... Right. Now I have to fake it. And that gets really Ugh. sticky and icky. And, you know, so we had a lot of moments like that where he really thought, well, if I just do this, or if I try this, or if I try this, she'll eventually just get how much I love her. And this relates to masculinity in the sense of Esther Perel, who's a famous sex therapist. Love her. Amazing, right? She talks about chivalry in, in the sense of very often we tell men, it's like, look at me instead of, hey, look at you. Right. Mm -hmm. Like it's it's and that's sort of the code. Right. That's yeah. what you were taught. That's what you did. And yeah, you're the like, white knight. yeah. And you're like, 
aren't you happy? And then you're like, I'm not happy, but then I have to perform, right? right? Like, so we're all performing these 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 gender roles, really, yeah. right? And yeah. so, what does chivalry look like? What, like, how would that have been done better for men who are listening and who are like, I love, I'm in love with someone, um, I want to show her, or this applies to anyone, right? Mm -hmm. um, any relationship. Any relationship. I want to show them how much I care. Like, what does chivalry look like in 2021? if we're all um, sort of freeing ourselves from these expectations of masculinity and femininity and gender? I, that's a great question. I feel like it starts small. It starts with your connection to yourself, constantly checking in where you are at in this new relationship. Are you acting out of love or are you acting out of fear? What's coming up for you? What is this other person mirroring back to you? What are you learning from him or her? So constantly checking in with yourself and doing the self-work mm. and then learning how to communicate with this new person in your life and his or her energies. Start there. Have intimate conversation and communication instead of just focusing on being physically intimate or going out to parties or, or whatever it is. Make sure that you have moments for true intimacy, which is communication. Get to know this person. And if we had had that time to really get to know each other, which we got really, really great at uh, later, um, but to have these conversations, then you will know how this person wants to be loved. And then that's how you will express your love. And there will also be space. If you're really into grand gestures, of course you can do one or two of those. Um, but if the communication has been had, then those will be appreciated because this person will see um, and adore the way that you love. As well, there will be space for everything, if and that if that makes sense. And chivalry is a, it's interesting. You bring up chivalry. Chivalry is a really tricky thing, I think, today, because, you know, in my research, there are still a lot of men and women who feel like uh, I'm not going to speak on behalf of women, but just from hearing women um, who want men to like open the door for them and things like that. And then I've also talked to a lot of women who are like, no, I can open my own fucking door. Mm -hmm. And from some of the conversations I've had with men that are dating right now, I think there are a lot of men who are confused about what does chivalry actually look like? Mm -hmm. what, what should, like as a man, what should I do? Should, mm -hmm. I, should I open the door? Should I offer to pay? Is that, am I, if I, am I being sexist if I do that? Am I being benevolently sexist? Mm -hmm. Am I, you know, what, what does that look like? A new and, term and, we learned. I learned. What? A new term I learned <laughs> from you. And so part of me is wondering, does a man ask? That's eventually what you're gonna be doing in a marriage. It's just, endless mm -hmm. conversations about how we're making each other feel if you want it to work in my opinion mm. yeah but maybe that is something that has to start like when you're texting on the dating app or like when you're whatever <laughs> like you know, i don't know i don't mm. know what it's like to date right now <laughs> let me ask you that question Liz. what is it like to date right now um <laughs> yeah no I, I think that's a really 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 important uh question well first of all i thought and i still think there's all these rules right and when it comes to dating i've I often have felt that men get all these very specific rules about the transactional aspects of dating, but not the emotional aspects of dating. So, you know, I'm supposed to pay. You go out to any guy on the street right now. They all know that. Uh, you're supposed to open, right, pull out the chair. These like, again, rules that we don't know that who, some, right? Yeah, somebody, some, someone, somebody someone came up with that. and yeah. we're like, we all know them. But, <laughs> uh, you know, do men know that on dates and not just men but everybody but particularly men 
uh, know that on dates they should be asking follow-up questions. <laughs> like, mm. you know what's sexy? A follow-up question. Uh, way more than pulling the chair, way more than the door. If I, you ask me a question and I answer the question, you're like, oh, that's interesting. What about this thing that you talked about? Let me ask you another. It shows that you listened. Yeah. And you're asking me two questions in a row, which again, in a date, it's mm -hmm. still not, like, it's still not ingrained. We've been out of the dating world for a while. Yeah. So it's pretty, is it normal that on a date you don't get asked questions or follow-up yes. questions? So what the I, hell do you talk about? You end up, I uh, joke with my, again, this is, I'm not like, this is not an indictment on all men, but it's, I, I've been on a lot of dates, okay? I dated a lot of guys and, um, and I, I have dated great guys, yeah. like, but it has, it is very common, um, that you will be end up being like David Letterman. So a date is a podcast for you. Yes. And and I've literally been on some dates where I was like, okay, just practice your this is a good practice for like your interview skills. Like because oh he's God. not asking me anything oh about Lord. myself. Or I've asked 10 questions and like I know where he's from. I know the name of his dog. I know and like he's thinking, and he's, oh, she's so into me. She keeps asking questions. Probably, but, and, and this other part I want to also talk about, which is I, I feel like women go on dates, and again, this is a very, you know, the heterosexual framework of men going on dates with women. I feel like women go on dates asking, I hope he likes me. Uh, and men go on a date saying, I hope I like her. Right, like women mm. are approaching dating. I can totally see that. Right, but then I'm wondering why? Why aren't they asking questions though? If they want to find out if they if they like you or not, mm -hmm. if they're into you or not, then how are they finding that out if they're not asking the questions? Mm -hmm. Very good question. And, and again, I think <laughs> I need to know. I don't. I I need to broaden my friendship circle. I think because that's a. I believe that one hundred percent. Yeah. And yet, but not in the guys think, we know. But and think of. All the men that I'm around, like I can't imagine any of them being that person. Um, so it's interesting also maybe just like a circle of people, like where are we meeting certain people? Did we meet a lot of these men at the club, you know, that are that particular type you of person? You go to clubs, Liz Plank? Oh, you know, yeah, yeah. Or is it people from a, you know, so obviously the, the type of people that we meet, if they're random people, I can't speak yeah. to that, but. Um, is well, it dating apps? I, I just think generally, though, generally. women do, um, I mean, just communication in, in general, if in you think general. about this is outside the dating world, right? Like there's a way that women, commu women communicate in a way that is very focused on the listener, mm. right? Mm -hmm. Women do a lot of mm -hmm, what Emily just did. She went, mm -hmm. mm. That means I heard you. I'm listening. I understand. She did that for me, right? And women use a lot of exclamation points. Women use a lot of, did that make sense? Is that... You know, the, the, those the fillers, mm -hmm. which we associate with like a lack of confidence or over enthusiasm or undercutting your authority are actually like care for your listener. Yeah. And so that's the way women, women are, I think, overtly focused on the other person when they're having a conversation. And I think men can be overtly focused on themselves. And I think this is where this like conversation is so beautiful because it's like, let's all you know, it's not about men being more like women or women being more like men. It's about everyone just being free to be who they are. I have to ask you a question. Mm. Where I get confused, because I learned this new, a wonderful term called benevolent sexism. <laughs> One of the ways is I will say something like, women are so much better at communicating, in my experience. And when I say that, I'm told, well, that's not necessarily true. I know men that do such and such, such and such. It's a compliment, but it's 
It's one way. But then I just heard you say, mm -hmm. express to me all the reasons um, that support my observation that women do those things. Mm -hmm. But yet you're still not allowed to say it. No, It's not even about saying it. I'm just like, yeah. So I'm just curious about how that looks yeah. because I do think women are better in my experience at doing many things like communication. Therefore, I think the world should be run by women and women are better. I just think that. I think that because of what you just said. Women are better at communicating because we have to be better at communicating, yes, right? I agree. We have to read right. a man's body language. We 100. have to know what's his, what's his intention. But regardless what's, of the reason why, the end result is you're better at it. But I would love to live in a world where women don't have to. I agree. Be she wants to tear hyper. down the system that makes it the reason. Right. Agreed. It's a, I agree. And it's that. a nurture nature, right? Agreed. So from what you, when you say women are just better, that feels like a women are just born. Women are just a superior gender. Yeah. Oh, I don't mean and, that. Well, but yes, I, but, but, but I hear you. I, and, yeah. and this is, uh, I believe, nature. So uh, again, we could talk all day about like maybe women have natural. There's something in our DNA. I don't. I think it's we're yeah. given dolls instead of cars. Right. We're uh, rewarded when, uh, right? We're expected to smile when people do nice things for us. Where mm -hmm. people look to our reactions, and right. we 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 get rewarded for that. So, so and and again, the world is just a dangerous place for a girl. I mean, it is 100 moment, right? Like, Agreed. and so you are trained to have to uh, be a good communicator and know what the other person is thinking or thinking or you know, doing. So, mm -hmm. agreed. So that's the difference. You are listening to the Man Enough podcast. We will be right back. I'm curious about in your marriage, because we are having so many amazing conversations. Mm -hmm. And um, some of them are like our gender roles yeah. and how that yeah. looks in marriage and relationships. And I'm curious about how Justin falls way flat and ways that he also um, really um, excels. One thing that... that quickly became a problem for me is that he takes up a lot of space. And I'm a person who have been trained to make myself smaller, especially if I'm around people that take up space, usually men, but that can also be women. Um, and I, I, I noticed that I just made myself so small so often. Um, and he just kept filling up the space and that, that could, uh, that could happen in interruptions where we're talking and he gets excited and he just interrupts. And again, dummy right <laughs> he has no idea what he's doing he's just excited um and i've had to i've had to kind of just stop him many times and say do you realize that you just interrupted me and that i i still have something to say and where he excels is that he immediately goes oh shit. okay yes i'm sorry i don't know why i do that please share with me what you have to say um, that's one of the things that I love the most about you is that you immediately correct and you apologize and then you really try your best to do better. And then I fail again. And then you fail again, <laughs> like we all do. But it's like to be able to take that criticism yeah. Yeah. immediately and feel it in your body and then go, I will try better next time. That's amazing and that's why we're doing so good. Um, mm. One of the things why we're doing so good. But that's one thing. Um, and then just physical space that, you know, he, he's, he's a, he's a man spread. He's a, he man spread all the time. <laughs> and even if, we're, <laughs> I mean, I'm sure some people would think this is really cute, but we'll sit on a couch with plenty of space and I'm sitting like I'm comfortable. And then he comes and practically sits on top of me. <laughs> he's like a big dog that believes he's a lap dog. Mm. 
And I'm like, dude, I just I need space. You don't have to lean on me. So there's just this this overall thing of just complete ta- taking up space, mm-hmm. where I've then had to learn to grow a little bit bigger and just go. I need my bubble right now. Mm-hmm. You you can be all over me later, but right now I I need my bubble, and you need to let me finish my thought. And another big thing for us uh, was when we had kids. I blame freaking society for this because. Mothers in general are forgotten. They are not seen. They are not celebrated. Mm. <laughs> I get emotional just talking about it. Oh, it infuriates me. <sighs> I love you so much. Wow, that just came. That just came from from nowhere. I, I work with so many women that just, that are new mothers that don't, they don't. They are so let down by the patriarchy and society today. And it is heartbreaking because these women, fathers too, but mainly the mothers, they are raising the next generation, which is a big fucking job. Excuse my French. The most massive job you could ever imagine and the the way that a lot of um that a lot of marriages are set up especially in this country not where i'm from in sweden but especially here the the if if it is a heterosexual um relationship the the father the man is the breadwinner and the mother stays at home and takes care of the children which is something that we decided that we were going to do justin had a career things were going great he was making the money uh, I was not as much, and I wanted to be there with my children. I wanted to take a lot of time off to be with my kids, and I was blessed enough to be able to stay at home, <laughs> which a lot of mothers, again, don't get to do. That's where we kind of got lost in these uh, stereotypical gender roles where where he w- was living on one planet where he got to pursue his career and be out there all day, create stuff, do stuff he loved under a lot of pressure, yes, but doing stuff that he loved, having adult conversations, and then coming home, not able to really realize and understand what my day had been like. Not talking to adults, handling baby poop and throw up and uh, sleep deprivation, all of the things. And this is something that we had decided together But I feel like that's where those typical gender roles really begin to hurt us because I feel our men are not brought up really understanding the the role of the mother and even what it means like to also take care of a house, how deadly boring it can be to cook, do the laundry, make sure that the house is clean. And there's just, I feel like, we don't know yet how to fully support each other there because society has no freaking clue how to support women in this role. How can we prepare men for fatherhood and marriage so that not all of that stuff has to land on the woman, again, if it is a heterosexual relationship? And Justin is amazing at still showing up having sleepless nights, being there for our kids, loving them, playing with them. He does so many things so incredibly right. But there are also many times when he has no clue what I'm going through Yep. as a mother. 
but it's heartbreaking to be so close and yet feel so distant that at the end of the night, we just speak two different languages. Mm. I have no idea what his day was just like, and I can't understand it. He comes home, he can't understand me, but at least he gets the work that he puts in Gets critical acclaim, gets recognized, he gets awards, he gets to be on podcasts, (laughs) he gets money, he gets paid for it, he gets more job because of it. Like he gets to build something and people people come up to me and tell me, Emily, you are so lucky to be married to Justin. She hates hearing that. And I'm like, do you have any idea? It's a blessing, yes, but do you have any idea what I'm doing to make that happen? to help him make that happen. I don't need awards. I was just invited to a podcast. Awesome, great job guys. But like, Mm. people don't wanna hear my story. Mm. They don't, and I don't blame men for that. I I just blame the system, I blame the patriarchy, the society. We need to do better, or our mothers will begin to just like self-destruct, and they are, this is horrible, but they are killing themselves rapidly. The numbers are going up where new mothers are actually com- committing suicide. Um, this is happening and we need to do something about it. Mothers need to be lifted up, supported, celebrated because they are raising uh, the next generation. Mm-hmm. That's our future. Yeah. <laughs> so men at the table, how do, you, how do we do better? So Liz, you said something the other day, we were talking about laundry. That's exactly it. She's like, do the fucking laundry. For Emily, yeah, and for, for for that person. Okay, all these reasons why, all this, all this, do the laundry. You can we can talk about all the reasons why we don't. We got to unlearn this, all that stuff. And okay, great, great, great. Do the laundry. Show up. We don't get to just say that we want to have this conversation, and our intentions, and not show up. Hmm. So. Um, I apologize for not embracing what you said or before it, with a more open heart. And um, and I hear you. Thank you. Thank you, Emily, for that. And thank you for sharing, Emily. Thank you. Thank you. And I think the point about you're so lucky to be to, to be married to Justin, which you which you feel on a, in a you know so many levels. Do you get asked you're so lucky to be married to Emily? And I'm sure you do on an emotional level. They love her, but like, do you think people realize? the work that it takes, that they, the invisible work that it takes for you to be Justin and that Emily is an integral part of that. Yeah. And what's, and, and that's, what's so confusing is, you know, I intentionally in the building of whatever we've been building, I didn't want to ever separate her from I. So Mm -hmm. from, from the beginning, it was me and it was Emily. It was not just Justin. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to be a sex symbol or the guy, you know, what, yeah. what, what, what the shows tried to turn me into and things. It was always her and I, and I really tried to show that. And I still found, and she still found no matter what, mm. no matter me showing all this stuff, me, me publicly thanking her, privately thanking her, making sure everyone knew what she was doing, didn't matter. It still got, it still, she still got... Mm the comments and the this and the this mm-hmm. and people would come up to you. And the thing is like at the end of the day, celebrity celebrity and fans are fans and, and I'm not going to fault them for that, but I only get told that, you know, yeah, you're so lucky to be married to mm-hmm. her by, I would say strong women. Mm-hmm. And, and I love hearing that 
To which case, if it were not for her, there's no chance that this would be here. And again, like that's, that's the, that's the, it's the weird, I don't know. It's like the weird trick of the patriarchy. And it's very similar to caretakers. It's very similar. Like, you know, Ai-Jen Poo is a mutual friend of ours who, you know, it's the invisible work that makes all the other work possible. Yeah. And, and yet it's, we're st it's like a never ending repeating cycle because I, the first time I, and I will say this, the first time I ever heard a woman tell me um, about mothers and like, or at least that I had ever heard, but that I'd ever been in a conversation was about mothers and the struggle and, and this like invisible, this, this invisible thing, this, this, that, you know, they're making the world run yet. They're, they're never getting accolades. They're not getting awards or nobody cares. They're not getting paid. Mm -hmm. Right. The first time I ever heard that was from my wife when she was a mother. And that's also, I believe, a part of the problem. Like, what world am I living in? Well, now that mm -hmm. you know, right? Like, what are we? What are we doing? Because, like, one one thing too is like, you get so many accolades for your for your parenting, right? Like, on social media. Do you think that that's part of it? That in receiving, when someone is like, "Wow, you're such a great dad." For, and again, I'm not saying you do the bare minimum. You do not. But we do give accolades to fathers for doing the bare minimum. Yeah, but that's right? because the bar is so low. Right. Mm -hmm. So what do you do as a man when that happens? What do I? I ignore yeah. it. But do you say? I, or, like, well, I don't. Know, I'm not going to respond to thousands of comments. Many right. times, though, but, you have jumped in and said, "Let's be real here. My okay. wife does the work." So oh, yeah, you I jump go. in. So that's something totally that men can that. do. I, I'm just looking for yes. you know men who are listening right now who yeah. are like, yeah. "I what what do I do?" Let's be honest. The majority of the time, which is my struggle with being a parent i'm not home the other answer to your question like what are we doing what am yeah. i doing it's this mm -hmm. i'm creating an opportunity for us to sit down so that we can talk about these things because i never got it and i don't want other young men mm -hmm. to have to hear it from their partners mm -hmm. and chances are they've been conditioned to not hear their partners mm -hmm. so by the point that happens their, their marriage could already be screwed Over. anyways and yeah. then we're repeating the cycle and it's just getting mm -hmm. worse and worse, so, and worse so that's one thing the other the um the other important thing is that like yeah <laughs> I feel really shitty as a dad most of the time because mm -hmm. I feel like I'm missing my kids. And yet I feel like as a man, I'm trapped. I'm in a, trapped in a hamster wheel where I need to keep going. I need to keep working. I need to keep providing. But yet like I also want to be with the kids mm -hmm. and I don't know how to get out of it. So when someone does tell me that, like, cause when you, you know, when I do sh like, I do show moments with me and my kids, I, I, I am a, an active father when I'm home. But I feel really guilty about it. So I always deflect it back to Emily. Like, thank God for my well, wife. Well, see, this is, this, maybe this is a little controversial. I don't know if this is, this is where I get confused. And we're talking about masculinity mm -hmm. and the bar being so low. And then we want men to go from a one to a 10. And then let's say you're a three. Let's say I'm a three. I heard you say the other day, which I get this, when, when fathers are home, they're babysitting their kids rather than just taking care of their kids. Yeah. It's all that crap. Yeah. When fathers are, are present as they should be, um, they're given all these accolades and mothers are not. At the same time, I know so many men that are not present at all. So many people in the world. Yeah. If we want to get them from a one to a 10, they're going to have to go in steps. So when a man who's never been modeled how to be a father, how to be a husband, is doing better than his father and his friends, there has to be some acknowledgement of like, okay, you're, you know, you're uh, good job. We got to get you to a three. You, you can't be satisfied with being a two, but good job that you're trying, that you're no longer a one, 
so that there's some positive reinforcement. Yeah, individually, but as a collective. Uh, you know, I, I was, I, I am a journalist, uh, but I was a m much more active journalist a few years ago. And these stories about dads would, th these viral dad stories, you know, a father braiding his daughter's hair or a, a, a father literally combing his daughter's hair, which I think The Rock, right? There was a recent photo of The Rock combing his daughter's hair. Oh my God, let's share this so cool fatherhood. Like, and yes, this is great. Can we follow this up with a photo of a mom also mothering and us celebrating that just as much? Yeah. And I called it, I think in my book, like the bare minimum dad. And we expect the bare maximum from women, right? Like the stories about bad mothers and women being mm. bad mothers. We saw the Britney doc, Britney Spears being told by Matt Lauer, of all people, because there was a photo of her trying to escape from the paparazzi with her child right. in her lap saying, you know, people are saying you're a bad mother. Like, what are you, how, how do you tell America, how do you prove to America you're not a bad mother? Shut the, like, like Matt Lauer, like seeing that, mm -hmm. right? And for those who might not, Matt Lauer has been found, uh, you know, to have been extremely, there's a whole show about him, uh, the morning show on Apple TV, basically, that's, that's, you know, detailing the accusations and the way that he created a toxic work environment for, 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 for women and abused women. Um, but there's something really, really sort of wrong with the way that, yeah, we, scrutinize yeah. mothers yeah and then we praise fathers. so we should not scrutinize the mothers that is for sure i just wonder that we don't get caught in this trap of 100 percent. we need to honor in every way that what emily said we also don't want to belittle no the progress mm -hmm. of what men so when Absolutely justin not. does something that's sweet and wonderful or a man that's braiding hair um it shouldn't be one begets the other and this is what often happens as fathers or someone like Justin, he'll then deflect. Good job, Justin. You're, you're a good dad. And then he'll deflect because it's like, I can't really own that because it's really my wife. And if I own it, then I'm going to be scrutinized for just doing what I should be doing. I agree with you both. It's so valuable what you're both saying. But yes, Jamie, I, I fully agree with that because for, as we know, for, for any growth or healing to be able to take place. Um, the way that we are ridiculing each other and blaming each other and hating on each other and calling each other out constantly and canceling each other, th that might feel good in the moment, but it is not going to take us anywhere. It's only going to create a larger gap. So what you said about individually, that they get uh, some sort of response or a thank you, is huge. Um, it is important when I see that my husband is stepping up and doing something maybe out of his comfort zone, but he's really showing up. He might not even have time, but he's showing up that I, and I forget all the time and I can be stuck in my anger sometimes too, but it is important that I say, thank you, babe. Can I just tell you how much of a load you just took off my shoulders by braiding my ass hair <laughs> or like taking care of bath Terribly. time one night, Terribly. right? But it's still, and I think it's really important that we women um, that we're able to like really stand in our woman with a capital W and able to say, thank you. I see what you just did there. Thank you. Even if we believe that you can do even better, I want you to continue to grow as a father and a man. But that thank you is important to fuel that growth, to fuel the healing that we all need so much. And if we want to create any kind of unity at some point in the future, we need to um, we need to remember to see the humanity in each other. And as a mother, 
I have to understand how Justin was wired, how he was brought up, uh, masculinity, what that has done in, in his life and how that is informing the way that he fathers our children. If I can understand his trauma, if I can understand his wounds and his wiring and his blueprint, then I don't have to be so goddamn angry all the time. I see his humanity because I know how to see my own humanity. And when we meet in that place, and that goes back to communication, we need to communicate with each other. We're talking about marriage here today. We need to learn how to go to our partner and say, hey, Wednesday night, are you free? I wanna sit down and talk to you for two hours. That might seem super odd, and you might really wanna have that conversation right now because I'm pissed <laughs> off and you and I need to talk. But you put it in the calendar, you make sure that you arrive to that conversation and consultation with an open heart, clear mind, where you can drop all your stuff on the table and put it there, but you're also willing to listen and see each other as human beings and then putting it all out there and then figuring it out together so that you take action. Action that is better than what you've done before. Mm. So we need to learn how to meet somewhere. The constant pointing of fingers and calling each other out and worse than anything, ridiculing each other for not doing enough or not being enough is only going to kill any inspiration and um, commitment that, that we might have. And that doesn't mean, I'm not saying that, that us as women, because we're talking about masculinity and femininity and women and men, women have the right to be angry and to be upset. Like we have, we have the right to be. But I also see that we have a responsibility here to also create space for growth. And nobody can go from one to 10 in a day. And then when you can't, when you don't have the capacity to, to do that, and that's happened with us, mm -hmm. then I have, to, I have to understand that I gotta hold it and not be defensive and, you know, mm. shut down. And that's, and there's, and, yeah. I'm not a mother, but I have a lot of, I've, I've studied this a lot and I've thought about this a lot. And, and I guess one thing, you know, that, that I'm thinking about is this study about uh, the workplace, right? And, and how mothers are perceived because women do everything and mothers do, right? It means that employers don't want to hire mothers. Like it's actually, there's yeah. really pretty mm -hmm. stunning data showing that basically the way that employers rank employees is like so. Mm. Mothers at the bottom. Mm -hmm. They're the least interesting <laughs> to an employer. Yeah. Then it's uh, women without kids. Mm -hmm. Then it's men without kids. And then first wow. is fathers. So this is what I'm talking about, right? Because again, we have this attitude and this, rev like we revere fathers. And so we see, an employee sees father and he's like, oh, that guy's probably, he's got kids. He's a good he guy. He goes to baseball practice. He's gonna be on, like, but mother, oh, she's gonna have to leave because there's mm -hmm. gonna, the child's gonna be six or she's gonna, I don't know, she yeah. might get pregnant, she might. And so that's what I want, that's where I want men to be like. Yeah, we gotta change Co-parent, right. And, and so that employers see parent. Oh, well, employers should just not be discriminating based on any, any of yeah. this, right? Mm -hmm. But like, that's what I want. So yes, growth, yes, individual, I, I get it. Like I, I totally, the patriarchy literally sets heterosexual couples to fail. 
And 100%. I want I want it to be so different, and I think it can be so different, and I think so many relationships could be, uh, will and be saved by this conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also want us, I want you two men at the table to tell me what you're going to do about this, because that's not Emily's job to fix this. That's my that's 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 my end. Let's we'll be back after this break. That's what that's what I'm. <laughs> we'll be back after this break. <laughs> the mic's attached, break. otherwise you drop. The I mic. would have dropped it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Emily. Thank you, Liz. Hello and welcome back to the Man Enough podcast. I'm Justin Baldoni. I'm Jamie Heath, and we are here with my amazing wife. Emily Baldoni. Yes. <laughs> if you are liking what you're hearing and you like our podcast, you want to talk about masculinity and all of these, all of these things, uh, get comfortable in the uncomfortable with us. You can follow us on manenough.com slash podcast. And we are man enough on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Liz just went off to she just give left. a speech. She does a wonderful college speech she's doing. And, um, she and left she left with a, question. with a question. And before the question was, what are we going to do about it? What are we doing? Um, so before we, I have a thought. I addressed it earlier about what she had said, Liz had said earlier, you know, and it was a little bit, it was hard for me to embrace, but now I can embrace it because I just heard mm. what you shared and it made all sense. Mm-hmm. But what you just shared with us about finding the humanity in one another. Right. Um, what I've, what I try to say along the way and I stumble, you just articulated so beautifully and wonderfully. And, um, so what am I doing? So because Liz pissed me off the other day, <laughs> because I'm an idiot, um, but I felt feelings, right? And I had to work through them. Uh, I went home and I was processing them and like, you know, and I, and I stand for women and I believe and I raise my son to have um, ideas. Um, I tell him that if you are not part of the solution, if you are not elevating women, if your friends don't say knack is a man, that actually goes out of his way to elevate the station of women and, and re- do everything they can, then you're fucking failing. Like that's the one thing that'll hurt my heart if you're not that man. And yet Liz shares something and I get defensive. Mm-hmm. So I go home and talk to my wife and I ask her, this is just the other day. Hey babe, am I sexist? And she says, hmm. And I was like, what, what do you mean? Why are you pausing? <laughs> Why did you pause for? She was like, no, of course you're not. And I was like, no, I want to know what were you thinking in what that pause? What was the pause? Mm-hmm. That's okay. I mean, I want to know it. I'm not asking why you paused. Tell me what that is. And the first thing she says is, um, you never do laundry. Mm. Even when you're home for the week and you're not working and you're out all night. You're not you know, out all night in the studio. Even when over the weekends when we're both home, you don't do as much. So I don't know if you don't do it because you're the man and I'm the woman or you just, but, and then she started going to other things. And I just stood there and I listened to it. And then, so what am I going to do? Ultimately, what Liz just said, do the fucking laundry. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's one thing, but it's really in the action. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I can start tomorrow, this weekend, I'll do the laundry. Yeah. And not just one time, but keep going. And one important thing there is to not ask your wife if the laundry needs to be made. Don't ask her if she needs help with the kids. Yeah. Don't ask her anything. Just just, just in. go in and do it. Don't ask if the kids need a bath. Grab the kids and give them a bath. It gives us such a sense of relief 
when somebody, especially our partner, jumps in and just helps without any questions asked. And I will say, we are very blessed to have help. We have our nanny. She she actually does our laundry, if we're, if we're going to get really specific about laundry. Not in the beginning, but but now now she does. But I'll tell you, there is something that happens to in my body when Justin comes home and he just does something in our household or does something for the kids. There's a different texture to it when the partner comes in and takes that responsibility off of my shoulders for a few minutes. There's just a balance that is created that allows me to breathe mm. and settle. So those things may seem super small. They're huge. They're where huge. does this, how, how does this work for you? So we know that we want equality, but equality doesn't mean sameness, mm -hmm. right? We all have, um, even if it's two men together or two women or a, a white person and a black person owning, yeah. uh, owning a business, equality does not mean being the same. Totally. It's valuing of those things. Mm -hmm. um, how does that look? So there can be a household like yours where there are particular roles that you play and he plays. Yeah. Um, that could be different that can still be equal. And another household might be flipped that way and it's still equal. For sure. And I mean, it's, it's worth it to say that that it, it, it all depends on how you look at it. I can be super jealous of his life and those adult conversations that I was talking about earlier and the fact that he gets to be out there in the world and do the things that he loves. But that also means that he has sleepless nights trying to figure something out while he's in production. Things are going wrong. People are getting pissed. He needs to manage all of it. He has so much pressure in his life to do things good. And it's, this is a great example. He deeply cares about this kind of work, but none of it comes easy. He has to put in so many hours and so much work, so much blood, sweat, and tears in birthing this baby, right? Mm -hmm. So, and I'm never gonna do that. I don't have that pressure. The balance will look different in every marriage, in every household, in every situation, and you won't know what you need. Your partner will not fully know what you need until you sit down and talk about it. We're I, not mind readers. I almost feel like this goes back to what Liz was saying about dating. Mm. Right. Right, the fact that she asks all the questions and, that, and men are just like, mm. you know, answering mm -hmm. and not or, or they'll ask one question but not a follow-up question mm -hmm. and so much of this i think can also be talked about early like early on um and and honestly you and i didn't really talk about it until we got married i mean we talked about some crazy deep stuff and i actually asked you a lot of questions and <laughs> too many questions to the point where she was like stop asking me questions she was like, I don't. <laughs> but we didn't talk about this stuff and i think to Liz's to Liz's main point to her question before she left, I think talking about it is one of the things we can do. I and yes, it's also doing the laundry, but I also think it's going home. And for I would say, I'm gonna go ahead and just risk being ridiculed here and say most men have probably never asked their partner how they feel about the the equality of Housework and domestic work. Who's doing what? Mm. How do you feel about the laundry? How do you feel about the dishes? How do you feel about bath time? How do you feel about this? I understand that we might be living in this gender role here where I'm providing and you're at home taking care of the kids. And then, you know, obviously that switches here and there based on a dynamic. But how do you feel about it? And I don't know. I don't know if many men have ever asked 
their spouses mm. that question. And I mm-hmm. think that that is probably because they don't want to know the answer. And, and, and then, yeah. and then I would say, so we can start there because I do believe that this also can be an introductory <laughs> level mm. podcast to w- how to start doing the work. Mm-hmm. But if there's a if there's a resistance that comes up, and I've said a few times, this resistance is masculinity, this thing, this invisible force that's governing our everyday actions, these rules that were written by somebody that were not us, that were for some reason abiding by, these chains, these this armor we're putting on. What is the thing that I feel like Emily should do that I'm not doing? Mm-hmm. Right? Like, and I have to ask myself that hard question and be willing to face the ugly answer. Also, I don't want you to, I don't need you to tell me you did a good job, baby, or thank you for doing that. I know why you do it, but I'm at the point now where I'm not on step one. I'm at step three, maybe, of step 20, that I I need to know that I need to do it for my because that's my role as a human being and not because I'm getting an accolade. Because I brought this up the other day. There is a part of many men that feels like we deserve a trophy when we do something as mundane as the dishes or the laundry right. or or like we want to know. And I've heard there's a lot of TED Talks. Michael Kimmel does a TED Talk. The, the data shows that households where men and women and in, 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 uh, in heterosexual uh, marriages, when, when men and women share those responsibilities, sex increases. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's just facts. That's just data. The sex life of a married couple increases when men and women share the equal load mm-hmm. of housework mm-hmm. and childcare. Mm-hmm. I don't want that <laughs> to be the governing factor of why I do things either I don't, I don't think there's any problem with that but but at the same time <laughs> no no it, i'm serious i'm actually no, no, serious. But i'm just saying i don't want that to be, i don't want to be do i don't want to have in the back of my head me as justin i want to beat this stupid thing this masculine thing that makes it unmasculine for me to do these things i want to beat it and not be thinking about like maybe i'm gonna yeah, get but, laid tonight but, but that's my point it's like i just want to get to the point where i don't have to think about it and you know what if it happens then great but I'm not doing it for that reason. I'm not doing it expecting the cookie. I'm not I doing it expecting I, I, It has my to wife. be about the that's bigger my picture. Point. But that's when, all, my, that's all yes, I'm trying to say. Yet, when, when people are at a one or a two or yeah. a three, incentives matter. Sure. God gives us these things. They, he tells us, God tells us in all teachings of um, religions, if people are religious in whatever faith they follow, that when you do this, X happens. That when you pray, when you're kind yeah. to people, this happens. Heaven is promised when such and such, right? We, we are given... Um, incentives to be yes. better. So if men are at the bottom, if there are white people that are not, that are still got their foot on my neck, and if you need an incentive to take your foot off my neck, then have it, then fine, have a cookie. Mm-hmm. And when society continues to progress and grows, then fine, we'll take off the cookies off. And then the other thing that Liz said is, um, as a business owner, mm. um, are you reading her, uh, are you reading her question? No. No, I'm just looking down at my hand. Oh, okay, because yeah. I thought because these are great questions. No, these were Liz's. No, this is what she she oh, asked. Oh, she said us. earlier. I'm gotcha. repeating what she said. Uh, mm-hmm. I was listening. Yes, sir. I actually was doing this, mm-hmm, but she didn't hear me do it. She only heard Emily do it. I just wanted to point my that out. Mm-hmm's are better than yours. <laughs> yes. You're. Mm-hmm. I have more practice. And to any business owners out there who are listening, yeah, I think that that data that she suggested is really important. That we pay attention to the fact that we value fathers over mothers. We mm-hmm. value fathers over over men without children, over women without children, and of course over women with children. They're at the bottom. So all that to say, I, uh, here at least at Wayfair Studios and Man Enough, um, will continue to make a concerted effort to make sure we are hiring mothers. I mean, you would be so lucky to have mothers on your team. Yep. Let's look at what you learn as a mother. Infinite patience, 
compassion, the, the, the ability to just like show up no matter how tired you are, the power that you get to stand in as a mother because you learn about the humanity in all things. When mm -hmm. you have toddlers and you try to teach them right from wrong and set healthy, loving boundaries, mm. learning how to be stern and grounded, um, yet doing that with kindness and love, that's when you learn how to see the humanity in people, mm -hmm. even if you hate what they're doing, even if you hate what they're about and what they're saying. That, I believe that all mothers learn this. Yeah. And to have somebody like that on your team a true badass, that word keeps coming up. Mothers are true badasses. Mm -hmm. you, like you would be so lucky. It's, it's not, you know, it, it shouldn't even feel like you're going out of your way to hire, hire mothers. Like mm -hmm. good for you if you have a few of them on your team because they will add so much value, which is why we need women leaders. That's right. Mm -hmm. Which is why this needs to happen because we are going to guide this world in the next right direction, together with men, together with fathers, because you guys are incredible. You are amazing. You are necessary. We need you to step up. We need you to create space for mothers so that we can do this together. This idea that it has to be either the man or the woman is insane to me. We're on this dirt planet in the middle of the universe together. It's that whole idea of, of calling in rather than calling out. And again, I'm not taking away any space for anger and feelings and emotions because they need to be felt. But then we just have to start calling each other in. I just want to say, God, first of all. <laughs> thank you. If you, um, you could have given up on me a lot of times. I've made a lot of mistakes and your grace and your compassion and your love and your belief that I can be better even when I fuck up is why we're even here. It's why this, it's why I wrote a book. It's why the podcast exists. I'd like to believe that like I'd be strong enough to handle you coming at me and like being a, angry and and it'd be justified but i don't know if i would be and if you had not been you the beautiful strong badass superhero that i think you are filled with grace and compassion i don't think i would have loved myself enough to be willing to sit to sit here right now i just want to thank you because mm. you are everything i ever dreamed of and more and I still feel like I don't deserve you, especially when I hear you talk like that. But I am so grateful. I love you. And I love you so much. Thank you. And I hope that, um, I hope that if you're listening to this, if you are a man or a woman or, or however you identify, I hope that, um, I hope that you know that wherever you are on your journey, whether you are on level one or level 10, the fact that you're on the journey is a beautiful thing. The fact that you've made it this far in this podcast and you care enough is a beautiful thing. And don't take that for granted. We need you. We need you. We need you. 
We need you. Liz needs you. My wife needs you. And this is a never-ending conversation. There's not going to ever be a solution or a right way. There's lots of wrong ways, but there's not just going to be one right way. And it means so much to me that you, the listener, are even listening to this right now and hanging in there. And because uh, it could be uncomfortable and some stuff might have come up and you might have seen some shit in yourself through Jamie and myself. And I hope that you look at it and I really hope that you have the conversation and you ask yourself Liz's question, which is what are we going to do different? What are you going to do? What's the action? What steps are you going to take? It's the only way this world is going to get better. It's the only way we'll ever get to a place of equality and unity. Mm-hmm. My love, thank you for coming on the, our Should we our ask you some podcast? quick rapid questions? Oh, shit. Thank you You're right. All right. All right. Quick. All right. <laughs> Sentimentals, time is over. Welcome to this week's Man Enough podcast rapid fire questions. 70, 80, 90 years in the future, you're a... Uh, I'm dead. You're a dead. You're a ghost at your own funeral. Oh, I am dead. Okay. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, at my funeral. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we know men die before women, so I'll be there waiting for you. So you and I are a ghost at your own funeral. Uh, what do, what do you hope is said about the way you move through the world? Oh my God. I hope people remember me for my, my compassion and my ability to show grace towards myself and towards other people, because I really hope I learn more about that before I die. And I hope they celebrate my, my constant hunger to get to know myself better mm. and the self-work that I do and the deep work and heart work that I do. Um, I really hope that that kind of stuff will be celebrated, um, especially when mothers do it, because it is the most beautiful journey that could possibly exist. So... I hope I hope that stuff is celebrated. Mm-hmm. I got one that's just—it's not on our list of ones, but I just thought, um, as we close it out, can you list um, five things about Justin in terms of his role as a man, mm. and maybe the traditional sense that you love about him? Oh, and this is not about Justin per se, but maybe just yeah, how he walks as I yeah. I get it. I love how he uses, and this is, you know, traditionally masculine, his sense of um, purpose and direction and this wanting to achieve something. He, he uses that to go deeper into himself and deeper into the uncomfortable work. He, he will never stop. Um, and he's like me that way. And I, I love that about you so much. You are deep and you will just continue to go deeper and deeper. You also have an incredible integrity and you are, uh, you are a very safe place. I've been around many, many men in my life that were not safe to me. Um, not even my own father was safe. Um, God bless him. But you have been that first true safe space to me. And that is worth, (laughs) we're gonna just keep crying here today. Um, That is major, babe. That is major. Just for you to be my safe space. It's huge. Sweet. Uh, What does it mean? I'm not even gonna, I I love you. What, What does it mean 
I'm going to ask you the question as a woman. What does it mean to be man enough? Mm. What does a woman want to see? What does it mean to be man enough? Or what do you want to see? What does it mean to you? Maybe not a woman. Yeah. First of all, I want to try to, to just take away the meaning of enough as if we always have to be enough. We already are enough. And that sounds very woo-woo, and I have a hard time understanding that myself half the time. But that need to be enough is what's screwing us up. Man enough to me is somebody, is a man who is willing to be raw, vulnerable, look at his stuff, and using that as fertilizer to just grow, to mm -hmm. keep growing, keep becoming more of who you are, whatever that is. Being a man means so many different things and it looks very different in all different bodies. But do the work to become more of who you are and why you were put here. Final question. Love it. Because uh, Jamie asked you all these positive things about me. But uh, I want to I, I I I ask you a question that our producer Annabella asked. Why did you, after reading my book for the first time, mm -hmm. look at me? We were in bed. I put it in the book. Mm -hmm. uh, look at me and say, babe, you need to read your own book. Because you're still doing that journey that you talk about in the book, the journey from your head to your heart. You haven't, you haven't fully landed in your heart yet. You're not standing in your own truth just yet. You're on the journey though, which is, which is really damn awesome. And you're doing the work which is super attractive. Um, you find me attractive? I find you very attractive. Sweet. <laughs> but you wrote, a, I mean, you wrote a really great book that is emotional and also very intellectual. And I think that there's a lot of things that all of us that we can understand 100% intellectually and like all up here in our heads, we're like, yeah, yeah, I get that. But then when you make that journey to your heart, that's when it becomes a part of every fiber of your being. Mm. And why I told you to read your book and reread your book is so that it can continue to inspire you to go deeper, 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 so that it becomes a part of you, so that you are a living example of, of what you're, you're talking so about. So you can practice what you preach. But you know what? That may not happen until you're a ghost at your own yeah. funeral. <laughs> I know. And that's okay. I love you. I love you. Uh, if you liked what you heard, please uh, like and subscribe to us wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can check us out on manitup.com slash podcast. And uh, we'll be back with a recap. This is a long episode, but it's a great episode. Hey. Uh, with Liz Plank. I'm Justin Baldoni. I'm Jamie Heath. And I'm Emily Baldoni. Emily I love you Baldoni. guys. I love you we so love much. You. Uh, we'll be right back. Good one. This you are. is Manitup. And enough. Hello and welcome back to the Man Enough Podcast. I'm Justin Baldoni here with Jamie Heath. And welcome back, Liz Plank. Thank you. Uh, you just you just spoke to Harvard? I did. Yeah, I'm sorry. I, you, I, like, I don't know. You hid that from us. Yeah, we I didn't know anything you, about it you until this morning. About, about Boston. A, a, a small university in Boston? Yeah. yeah. that's. I mean, it's accurate. It is in Boston. Um, it's okay. not so not small. So small yeah. Yeah. So, all right, real quick. Um, mm -hmm. You just were speaking about your book. I was. And that's a big deal. Mm -hmm. And it was to Women in Power? What was it called? It was a, a Women's History Month, like Women in Power Conference, um, La, men and women. Yeah. And just, just look, Liz, Liz is a genius. She's a researcher and she loves men. 
and she wrote a she book does. about it, and that and it helped me in writing my book. So uh, thank you for being here. Okay, recapping. Yes, I love the conversation that just happened. Mm. Do you? I I do. I, I'm and I I'm always honest, but I'm, I'm you, being you extra honest. You definitely are always honest. <laughs> You're definitely yes. Jamie and I were like, okay. <laughs> what did? Da, da, da. Um, no, I I really I I mean it, and I love that. Yes, there was sharing about the difficulties, right, of of the patriarchy and masculinity, and how the demands that society places on you to be providers, to go out and work and make that money, and um. And then I love that there was then a conversation also about how that affects women in your lives, like Emily. And I loved Emily sharing about motherhood and the invisibility of that work. And I love that there were action steps taken. I'm excited. You're the, I kind you're of the action person. I am an action. You are an action. Person. We're all action figures, we right? All like, are, yeah. and so I love that there were actions. I love that. Um, you're all, you all took a very public commitment. It's on the record <laughs> um, in front of many people. Uh, and, and, and I think that's really important. And I think it's, it's really important that we model that for men. And what I will say is that I know that that might be hard, right? And, or it might be uncomfortable, but it's also going to make your relationships better. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that as a, that because of I have a, because of that's my opinion. I'm saying that because it's rooted in the research mm-hmm. that marriages where there's more equality when it comes to that work are just have 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 higher levels of satisfaction and they have mm. more. Can they I say do. it? They do. They have, they more. have more. I, I wanted to. I want to make a joke, but it's sex. Uh, they have more sex and. And I think that that's, again, I hate that we, that I have to say that. And, and I don't think that's what we should lead with. Like, hey, uh, clean the dishes. You'll have a better sex life. But that's just <laughs> one of the side effects. That's you know, amazing. it's a good side effect. So this is why, again, I think it's so important that we frame this conversation as, okay, what do men have to learn? But what are men gaining from all that learning mm, yeah. and doing? And how much better your life will be? Because right. this is really a conversation about happiness it's a conversation that feels uncomfortable that feels political that feels all those things but it's also a conversation it ultimately is a conversation about happiness i want everyone to be happier and what you just did i i'm gonna check up on you and see and make sure that i'm gonna do my research okay you're my focus group how will that change not just the relationship but even how you feel Mm -hmm. and how emily feels and i bet I bet we'll have some some very good positive side effects. And also, if you're listening right now, just know, mm-hmm. I I did a TED talk. Yeah. I wrote a book on masculinity, and guess what? You just heard my wife say that I'm also yeah. far from perfect. Because at the end of the day, like we can't expect people to be perfect because nobody will win, but we can expect you to try. Yeah, we can expect you to show up and put on your running shoes and go to the mm-hmm. start line. Mm-hmm. And if you only make it a foot. Okay, well then, yeah. you know what? Tomorrow, let's try. Let's mm-hmm. try again. But I can still tell you I'm disappointed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I can still tell you I wish mm-hmm. you would have finished the race. Um, and I appreciate that. You make us all better. You do. And uh, and for my wife, who's not here right now, I love you. <laughs> and thank you for making me better. And if you're listening to this, thank you. Because the fact that you're listening to this gives me hope. And, uh, and I'm sure it gives 
a lot of people hope. So if you like our conversation, follow us on manenough.com slash podcast. Subscribe the, to us wherever you all download your podcast. Until next time, I'm Justin Baldoni. I'm Liz Plank. I'm Jamie Heath. You didn't sing it? You didn't get a... <laughs> sing it. Oh, okay. Let's try again. Go. You want? Justin Baldoni. <laughs> I'm Liz Blank. I'm Jamie Hills. <laughs> and this They're is... They're cutting that. They're like... This, this, no, no, keep it in. No, it's no. real. This is Man Enough. Thank you for listening to the Man Enough podcast, produced by Wayfair Studios and presented by Procter & Gamble in partnership with Cadence 13 and Odyssey Company. Hosted by Justin Baldoni, Liz Plank, and me, Jamie Heath. If you like what you heard, please follow us and tune in weekly as we undefine masculinity and learn in real time. Justin Baldoni, Jamie Heath, and Tara Mahotra Feinberg from Wayfair Studios, Mark Pritchard and Kerry Rathod from Procter & Gamble, and Chris Corcoran from Cadence 13 are our executive producers. Annabella Casanova, Mateen McCullough, and Sage Price are our producers. Maria Fernandez and Nicole Pritchard are our consulting producers. Josh Snyder is our lead editor. Thanks for listening.